the dangers of such beautiful piece of writing is that we might just think it's so beautiful that we just look at it as beautiful, but not as actual teaching for us and actual discipleship teaching and, and words for us, right? Um, I, I always will remember my grandmother's embroidered beatitudes on the, on the kitchen, and, and they were beautiful, in fact, and they were like a, like a work of art, like a piece of art. But for us, the beatitudes are so much more than that. They are our manual for right behavior, for right action. For us, the Beatitudes are the foundation by which we are, we were saying last week, Jesus-y, right? We want to be Jesus-y. We want to be like Jesus. We want to understand the way of Jesus. We want to walk the way of Jesus. We want to imitate what Jesus did. And this, this is foundational to the work of who Jesus is and was and is about. I was rereading a, a piece of um, the book, The Cost of Discipleship, by German mm -hmm. theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If you haven't read it, it is such a good read, and his biography is really, really interesting as well. But The Cost of Discipleship, he starts there in the introduction, and he talks about this idea that discipleship has a cost. It does. And that cost includes following the way of Jesus. And the whole book, The Cost of Discipleship, it's basically a long, 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 long sermon on the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> and it's just a series of, of reflections on the Sermon on the Mount. That's all it is. And it's just beautiful. And I really encourage you to read it. But, but he says that the, the, the opposite of costly discipleship is cheap grace. <laughs> and we, and I, I'm challenged by that because so often we operate, I operate with just cheap grace. I just want to be saved from hell. Yeah. I just want to not have suffering or pain. Two things that matter, sure. But, but the, the cost for us and the call for us is to live entirely out of grace. Not cheap grace, but costly grace. A life that would not be possible without the work of God and the intervention of God, Amen. the miracle of God and the spirit of God inside of us. Amen. A community that is living out not cheap grace, but costly discipleship and costly grace. It's a community that looks at verses like the ones that we've been reading in Isaiah 58 and Psalms 112. And, and we consider the ways in which we can make those things reality for us. Amen. If you look at at the at Christian history for the last 2,000 years, you will find time and time again, communities of people who are trying to make this possible and they were not popular. They were not liked. They were not powerful. Because to follow the way of Jesus is not to be in the way of the world. It is to renounce the powers of the world. It is to live our lives so differently that you no longer become this like really nicely packaged person. In fact, you kind of become a little, a little different for what the world wants and demands of you. Yep. To live the way of Jesus is costly. It's different. And this is the miracle of grace and salvation. That we can live these things, the Beatitudes and, and, and the rest of the Sermon on the Mount in ways that profoundly change us and change our society for the better. That are working the kingdom of God in our lives today 
and in the society and our neighbors and friends and cities and towns. The kingdom of God should look nothing like, should feel nothing like, should smell nothing like the kingdom of man. It is our call to live in this kingdom. And this is our manual, right, for right behavior, for what we're called to do as we believe and act like Christians. And maybe more so like Jesuses, right? Like people that are little Jesus. We, we went through this, and I'll just quickly say the first beatitude, God blesses those who are poor, poor in spirit. And we talked about those people who are able to take a moment before they call a judgment or a label on something else. You and I, I'll just speak for myself, I have this tendency to so quickly label things as good and bad, as deficient or efficient, as in or out. But someone who's characterized as a person who's poor in spirit can take a moment and pause. This divine pause. That's that spiritual humility. And say, what does God say about this? What would God want me to say about this? And sometimes it's nothing. Right? Sometimes it's absolutely nothing. Just be. For us, as people who are poor in spirit, we, are, we have to be people that understand the infinite nature of who God is and that we do not understand the mystery of God. And that gives us this attitude of poverty in spirit because we do not have it all figured out. Nope. We're trying, we're working it out, but we don't have it all figured out. And those of you who, who you, you've experienced this, you know that maybe 10 years ago, you would have felt really strongly about something, and 10 years later, you're like, well, <laughs> let's just pause, <laughs> right? Let's just take a second. To be a Jesus person is someone who's poor in spirit. It's people that take seconds and minutes and hours before they're placing labels and judgments. To be a person who, who mourns, Jesus said, God blesses, blessed are those who mourn. We talked about this idea that God is wanting you to bring the totality of your feelings and your experience and your journey to God. And God will not gaslight you telling you that that's not what you're feeling. In, fa in fact, God says, when you are mourning, you will be blessed. You do not have to change what you think because you're scared that God is not going to accept you with your feelings and with your mourning. God wants us to bring our mourning to Him. Amen. And in the middle of that mourning, we are comforted. Amen. God blesses those who are humble, those who are tender, and those who are gentle. We spoke about this last week as, as well. We said that Jesus see people have to be characterized for being gentle and tender, not bold and harsh. <laughs> There's nothing harsh about Jesus see people. There's not. God's call for us is to humility and to gentleness and to tenderness. The kingdom of God is tender. It's not harsh. And lastly, the meek, oh, sorry, uh, those who have a real thirst and hunger for justice. Not just being complacently and passively observing injustice, but being actively hungry and thirsty for God's justice to happen in all of our lives, in the lives of, in the lives of our Savior, uh, sorry, of our neighbors and our society as well. Throughout human history, throughout Christian history, 
Christian communities have always been at the pinpoint of justice issues. God cares about how we treat each other. Mm -hmm. Isaiah 58 just said, let the oppressed go free. Let those who are wrongly imprisoned go free. God cares about systems of justice, about the way we treat each other, about the way we treat those who are in jail, about the way we treat those who are hungry and needy, about the systems that we build so that those who are hungry and needy continue to be hungry and needy. God cares deeply about suffering and wants us to be at the front line of alleviating suffering in our world. Amen. And it can be so easy, and believe me, I, I get it. This last week, I was so busy. There was a ton of board emails. Sorry, board members. I did not respond to a single board email today, uh, this week. I was just so busy with work, working long days, I didn't have time to worry too much about justice around me, right? All I needed, all I wanted to do was to finish the week because we were so busy. I get that. But Jesus says that in order to be Jesus-y people, we have to be hungry and thirsty for justice. We cannot be complacent about justice issues. We cannot be just moderate about justice issues. We're called to be hungry and thirsty. All right. So now, now the real sermon. <laughs> God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Amen. Jesus-y people are merciful. God's name is mercy. This is part of the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of mercy. We are called to be a people who are characterized by mercy. Later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Do not worry about the massive tree in your brother's eye when you, sorry, with the, the small branch in your brother's eye when you have a massive tree inside of yours. Mm -hmm. Right? Showing mercy towards each other first and worrying about the things that we have to work out first. Amen. And towards others, mercy. We have a couple of verses in um, Matthew, what is it, 7? 9? 9. Nine. Matthew 9, when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture from Hosea. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. And then James, the, the, the brother, the half-brother of the Lord says, there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Listen, I know, all I know is that I want mercy from God. Amen. I don't want God's judgment. Mm -hmm. I cannot compare to God's judgment. I know where I'll land in comparison to God's standard and judgment. I have fallen short. And James reminds us that the way that you dish out mercy towards others, that same level of mercy is the mercy with which you will be judged. That's what Jesus said. God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy. The whole, the whole point of the gospel is to share God's mercy. Amen. It's to say, come to God, the fountain of mercy. Mm -hmm. It's so that we would be merciful towards each other, towards our neighbors, 
towards those around us. It's mercy. It's not judgment. God came to have mercy on us. And he wants us to be a merciful people. God blesses those whose hearts are pure. I think this means both things. It does mean the idea of doing what is right and trying to do what is right and walking in holiness. That matters. Your efforts, your everyday efforts to try to be a holy person, that matters. Your, your personal discipline to be a holy person, that matters. And I also think of it in terms of those that are pure in heart. You know when you're talking to someone that you just have a feeling that they have a double intention? <laughs> you know that those that are have a not pure heart and that there's an agenda behind this conversation or behind this situation? God is telling us that he blesses those who are pure in heart, those who have a single set heart and who do not have agendas or have other things that they're looking for in conversation. When you meet someone who's authentic and sincere and honest, you know it. Amen. Right? There's something about this feeling of someone who's just authentic. You just know that there's no, there's no attachments in their, in their identity. You know that they are free to be who they are. And they're not clinging on to, oh, I, I want to be who I am, but I also want you to like me. And I do that so much, right? I wanna be liked. And I act not just in purity of heart, but I, I act in ways that would ingratiate me in front of you. Because I want you to like me. I don't want you to not like me. I, wa I, don't, I want you to be okay with me. I don't want you to be mad at me. I want you to think well of me, not badly of me. So when I have all of these attachments, all of these things that I'm like holding and putting my hat on, instead of just having a pure and single, authentic heart, then I'm not living out this purity of heart that Jesus is talking about. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. I find, it, I find the, the latter part of the Beatitudes interesting, right? The kingdom of heaven is theirs. They will be comforted. Who inherits the whole earth? Who is satisfied? Who is shown mercy? Who gets to see God? Who gets to see God? Sincere, honest, authentic people. People who have a pure heart. People who have understood that we come before God and before others. And the best thing we can do for each other is to let go of the walls that we have built. And look, I, I get it. Often those walls are a product of great pain. I get that. And we, we do those, we, we build those walls because we're scared to get hurt. I get that. And that is the challenge and the cost of discipleship, to be a community where we can risk letting go of those walls. And it's scary. Where we can risk letting go of the facade. And that's terrifying. It's terrifying to be real, right? Imagine being your 100% real self to the people around you. Those are the ones that get to see 
God. The Jesus community is characterized as being a community that is real with each other. Here's the deal. The hope is that when we let the facades go away and the walls strip down and we're actually real and honest with each other, the hope is that we're tender and gentle and merciful and kind. It's scary, but that's the hope. And that's part of our daily work of discipleship. This is part of the daily work that we do. This is the right behavior that we engage with. Not just right belief. Belief matters. Behavior matters. God's call for us is to be a people that can let go of all the different ways we want to be seen and just bring your entire 100% true self to God into the community of Jesus followers. Amen. And those get to see God. Next beatitude. God blesses those who work for peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, another version would say. For they will be called children of God. So to be pure of heart means you get to see God. To be called a child of God means that you have to be a peacemaker. I don't think the contemporary church, specifically in our country, speaks enough about the gospel of peace. God's call for us, something that characterizes us, something, something that characterized Jesus is that he spoke about a gospel of peace. Peace. And that is both peace internally, and I don't know if any of you struggle with like the feelings of anxiety for instance so for those of us that, that do this immediately speaks to us right this idea that god is calling us to be at peace if you've ever been not at peace you know exactly what's happening you're sitting down you're hanging out you're at a restaurant you're watching a movie you're wherever and everything else around you is going fine but inside your heart's beating at 125 beats per minute you're not at peace and that feels awful. And God's gospel for us, Jesus' gospel for us, good news for us, is that God came to give us peace. Internal peace. Intra-relational peace. So that we're not constantly fighting with each other. Fighting with our neighbors, with our family members, with our siblings, or our parents. The gospel of Jesus is really low drama, right? It's not highly dramatic. God's call on us is to be a peaceful people and to be peacemakers. And this then also translates into bigger societal moments of peace. Christians are called to be a peaceable people, not a warring people. There's this beautiful image in the, the Prince Caspian movie, uh, the, 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 the C.S. Lewis movies, when there's the little mouse, does anyone remember what the little mouse does, like a fighter? Thank you. He, he, he identifies as a warrior, as a soldier, as someone who's brave, as someone who's a fighter, right? But before he is allowed to go into the land of Aslan, he has to give up his sword, or he won't be able to get it. He had to let go of that identity. 
And I love what Lewis and, and what the movies are doing there for us, reminding us that the, that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of peace where there will be no more war. And now, look, I know that the, the whole idea of war is it's complicated and, and really complex. I, I get that, but our call is to be a peaceable people, to be preaching peace. We have to be known as the most peaceable community in town. We have to be known as the people who are making peace with each other, with others, and with the communities around us. And when we do, we get to be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Here's the promise, right? You do all these things, and people won't like it. <laughs> and you're blessed when you do them. Notice what it says, though, that you're persecuted. The blessing comes when you're persecuted for doing what is right. Not just talking about it. It's easy for me to get here and talk about these things for 20, 25 minutes. That's the easy part, right? Ask my wife how peaceable I've been, I've been this week. That's a different conversation. Ask me how pure of heart I've been this week. That's a different conversation. Ask me how much my facades and my walls have been built up. That's a different conversation. We will be blessed when we're persecuted for doing what is right, not just talking about it, believing it, reading about it. Those things matter, they do. But for doing what is right. And then this is the promise this is where I'm, I'm wrapping it up for you. I'm selling it. Ready? God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are Jesus-y. <laughs> Be happy about it. Be very, very glad. If you're the only person that's, that's advocating for peace and people are mocking you, be glad about it. If you're the only person who's willing to have a pure heart and not have an agenda behind your conversations and your relationships and people mock you for being honest, be glad about it. If you're the only person who is taking a minute before you're making a judgment or a label over if something is right or wrong or if someone's in or out while everyone else knows exactly what they think and they're mocking you for it, be glad about it. God's call for us is to be like Jesus, to walk the way of Jesus, to understand what Jesus did, and to know that there is a great reward for us when we act in this way. Lastly, I'll just say this. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? What good is being Jesus' people if we're not acting like Jesus? That's what that says. In order for us to be effective, salty people, we have to act like Jesus. If we don't, we might as well be a lamp that's been covered. When I first got to New England, I, I swear I, I thought of this verse. Because I don't know why New England houses don't have lights up in the middle of the room, right? They're all kind of, you have to plug in the lamp and then you have to find the switch that's the right one for the lamp. 
the old houses. That's the way our house used to be. It drove me insane. I'm like, why would they not build houses with electricity where you can hang a, a what do you call it, a, a light from, from the top of the room, the middle of the room. That is such a New England thing. It doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. <laughs> I don't know, maybe Europe, but not, not, not in the Southwest, not, not in other countries. What good is a light if you cannot put it on the highest part of the room, right? What good are we if we cannot act in Jesus' ways? It's tough. We're not good to be the salt of the earth or to be the light of the, of the world. And that is our call for us today. As I was finishing this, I was like, man, this is hard. And like, I don't just want to discourage people and be like, well, there, there it is. <laughs> so here's a little bit of hope. The hope is that to do these things, it takes a miracle. And that's the miracle of salvation in the gospel. Amen. That's the miracle of grace. You cannot will yourself into doing these things out of your own will. It's a miracle of transformation and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It is the miracle of letting go, of trying to just force yourself into holiness and into discipleship, and just letting the grace of God carry you through it. In some ways, it is radically simple. You let go. You let go of trying. You let go of a plan. You let go of the intentions that you set up and you just ask God to carry you in God's grace. Mm -hmm. Moment by moment. Amen. Second by second. It cannot happen otherwise. Amen. It cannot. I guarantee you, it cannot. There's nothing about this that is normal. This is supernatural and it requires a supernatural God and intervention for us to be this community with one another. Amen. That's the work of discipleship. Amen. That it requires grace. It requires the wind of grace to lift you up. You can't just do it on your own. So our invitation for us, and as we continue to, to dig into the, the Sermon on the Mount, is to know that the calling that we have from God is high. Really high. Impossibly high. But the support that we have with God the grace that we have with God can carry us through and help us transform us and be this person. You all have probably known and seen someone who has been tested, who is holy, who is a disciple, and they're gentle, they're tender, they're wise, they're loving, they're merciful. It's a lifelong commitment. It doesn't happen today. It doesn't happen tomorrow. It happens after a whole life of committing to letting God work in us and trans transform us to be more like Jesus. Amen. Will you join me in praying? Father, the, the way of Jesus is a lot. It's a lot for any of us to do on our own. The truth is, God, that we are scared. I am scared to be pure of heart. 
I don't want to be 100% honest and authentic. I am scared of what other people will think of me. How other people will judge me. If they will be mad at me. If they will accept me. All of us, God, are, are scared. We don't want to be peaceable, God. It, the world out there is hard and, and, and it feels like we're giving up. I don't want to be meek and humble, not naturally. So God, I, I would ask that you would do this work of transformation in each and every one of us. That you would help us to let go of any of our attachments or any of our other identities that are not fully based on who you are. Would you help us, God, to be a community that is tender and loving and merciful towards each other? Help us to be a community that, that takes a minute before rushing into judgment. Help us be a community that is actively working to make systems of justice right. And just like you called your people, Israel, to let go of the oppressed, that we might be actively working to eradicate hunger and suffering and oppression in our world today. God, we ask for the miracle of the gospel to transform us and transform our community into being a peaceable community, a humble community, a compassionate community that depends on you, that waits on you, that looks like you, that walks the way of Jesus like you taught us. So continue to do, to do the work of transformation in each, in each and every one of us this week. As we go about our weeks and go back to our workplaces and our family lives and everything else we have going on, may we be disciples of you and internalize this. Internalize that you are calling us to this high, high responsibility. That to be a disciple has this high cost. And that we can do it because of your grace and your mercy for us. Let us be the most merciful, tender, loving people this week. May we be known in our community for our tender and our mercy towards each other. Transform us. Soften our hearts, soften our tongues, soften our actions. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.